gentlemen, welcome to the Howling Coyote Radio Hour. This is Mr. Jim Sobo. I couldn't tell you which episode this is because I'm not quite that organized. But this is through milehighshow.com. You can check out all the previous podcasts at milehighshow.com, Howling Coyote Radio Hour. If you do not know who I am, my name is Jim Sobo again. I organize the Howling Coyote Tour. It is a a singer-songwriter showcase that takes original singer-songwriters from the state of Arizona to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area over the last 15 years. Now we're going twice a year. And then once, monthly, I do it here in Prescott, Arizona. Not Prescott, but Prescott, like biscuit or brisket. And uh, this next show is coming up here on March, 20, uh, March 20th, Friday, March 20th, at Mark's Beer Garden featuring Steffi Griffin. Ms. Steffi Griffin. Ms. 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 Okay, yeah. Or Steffi it, Lee. Put it up there. Oh, I got to talk to it. There you go, it. yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Darren Mahoney, who is uh, an alumni of both the tour and the shows here in Prescott and the podcast. So uh, being that I am a gentleman, we're going to start with Steffi. Steffi, hello. How, how, how are you? Hello. Um, I'm well. How Excellent. are you, Jim? Thank you for, uh, it is spring break here up in, uh, in Prescott, so thank you for taking your, your well-earned time off and coming to see my ugly face and, <laughs> and my, little, my little podcast room here. Um, so I've been a fan and been coming to see you for, uh, well, we just were talking about the days when you played with a, a bassist here in town named Theron Wall, mm-hmm. who was playing cello with you. Right? Yes. And how many years ago was that? Was it three years ago? Five years ago? Uh, you know, I think he Theron is one of the first people I met in Prescott. So I've known him for almost 10 years. For 10 years. Mm-hmm. So um, it could have been like five. You think uh, you, when you were first starting to play out at, at the, uh, at the meter superstition m- metery. Yes, I think here in they Prescott, started. Arizona, that was maybe about five years yes, ago. Yes, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, so Theron played cello um, with me, and I sung on his album, and he just helped produce my latest EP. Also, oh, him wow. And I, yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I heard his, it's Theron Wall for. You audiophiles out there, uh, Theron is T-H-E-R-O-N, last name is Wall, W-A-L-L, and um, he is a fine singer-songwriter. He, he was in a band in Phoenix for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a band that sounds like Drive-By Truckers, but that what, that's not their name. I know, I was confused it too. Truckers yeah. on Speed. Truckers on Speed, oh, yeah. and, um, and very Americana type of sound. I know he loves the Jayhawks and Wilco and, yep. and all of those type of bands. Um, and he has turned into quite a producer and, and I actually, um, I have a release coming out hopefully sometime this year that has him on a couple tracks also. So, um, he's, uh, he's a great player and he's very innovative and very creative. Uh, so, um, how did you come into music? How did you, uh, what, what did you used to listen to when you were growing up and how did those influence translate into you finally finding an instrument? Well, that's, um, the way that the music I listened to growing up and then what I did with that is, is kind of made me into the songwriter that I am and it keeps changing. (laughs) Um, but when I was little, it was riding around with my dad and, uh, listening to Michael Jackson and 
Elton John and the Beatles um, and Tone Loke. Um, so my dad had a very eclectic taste in music. Um, and, but then I started playing trumpet in, uh, when I was in fifth grade. And I ended up wanting to be a music teacher. And so I went to school for music uh, in Cleveland. And I majored in music ed and trumpet. Is that where you're from? Um, yes, I'm from a town called Worcester, Ohio. And uh, yes, hey, woo. <laughs> <laughs> so I was classically trained in trumpet, and I played some jazz, too, in college. Um, and then I got kind of into the dreadlocks lifestyle and started loving country music and um, I, ne I didn't sing at all then. I just started singing when um, this guy named Ben in Cleveland asked me if I would sing in their country band. And it was this classic country band called the CCB, the Cleveland Country Band. And we had a great time. Um, and that's when I fell in love with Tammy Wynette and Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton. And nice. It kind of blew my mind. Um, so the classical jazz country and then I played in a bunch of indie rock bands. So all that together is kind of, that's me, I suppose. That's beautiful. <laughs> that is a, that's a beautiful story. So your dad was into a lot of great music that he was listening to? Yeah. Um, he played piano, too. So he was going to be a music major, but he got scared of singing solfege. Which is funny. He, I give him a hard time about that. But he was a piano player, so I think that's where the music came from. And my siblings are all very musical. That's too. great. How many siblings? I have three. Three. Yes. And they all play instruments. Well, um, growing up, we all we did. We had a little club called the Silver Sailors Club, and we would just go in the woods and make instruments with the sticks and <laughs> and bring brooms and buckets, and yeah. we got a little weird out there. Um, we we did. I we used to play tennis racket. Rituals. I was really good at the tennis racket. Oh, yeah, I think we all played the <laughs> tennis racket. Yes. So they mad. that we all just kind of you know that's what you did back then. You just hung out together and played music. My brother, his name's Scott David. He's a musician, um, a, a genius musician in my opinion. Mm. Um, and Is everybody still, still back there? My older brother Scott. Yes, he's in Ohio um, with my mom and. Um, my dad, they're divorced, but still both in Worcester. And my sister's in Massachusetts, and my younger brother's in North Carolina. Beautiful. And I am out here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Strangely enough, even though we're... If for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, Prescott, Arizona, we're about 6,000 feet up, a little lower than Flagstaff. Flagstaff is about 8,000 feet up. And we're up in the mountains uh, above the valley, what would be Phoenix. And... It's a beautiful little hamlet of a town. Not very many people here, only about 40,000 proper in, in Prescott uh, and, and probably about 100,000 in the outlying a area. But full of mountains and little lakes, not what the Midwest calls lakes. Those are real lakes. These are, these are ponds. Um, but a lot of hiking and mountain biking and rock climbing and, oh, and yeah. hang gliding and and uh, hot ballooning and you know there's a whole bunch of outdoors fun and uh, when we speak with Darren just a folk and just a bit um, there's still a lot of country here too so 
Um, strangely enough, even though we're in Arizona, Arizona is part of the Southwest. It uh, people here do relate to you know people from the Midwest and yes, and from various parts of the country that you know that would be referred to as as country. You know. Uh, well, that's that's a, a wonderful story. Do you um, you do you get to see your your family very very often? I mean, not as often as I would like, and. You know, as I get older and as they get older, the, the pull gets stronger. And they all have kids and I don't. And um, so there's always the, you know, I'm an auntie and I feel like I need to be there more. But well, you're, you're forging your own way. I'm going to guess you're the cool aunt, though. <laughs> right? Well, I don't know. I, think they, I don't think they would use that same word. I don't have <laughs> any like kids, the, so I'm the cool uncle, you know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I think they probably think I'm a little nuts, but I guess I'll take that. Well, you're you're in you're in good good company then. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, so you started playing trumpet. You said you were about thirteen. I was eleven when I started playing. Okay, trumpet. eleven. And then, how did you stumble into the guitar? That's a great question. Um, well, I started um, wanting to sing more. And I needed kind of a, an avenue to do that. I played a little bit of piano just by ear because we had one in our house growing up and I was forced to take lessons and I just faked my way through it. I never learned how to read music with the piano. But um, anyway, so I, I picked up a guitar when I was abroad in Ireland studying mm. uh, with my trumpet. And I just kind of learned chords and bad habits. <laughs> and that was when I was like, um, to one, not till my 20s, I started really playing guitar. Excellent. And um, wow, Ireland with a trumpet. Yeah, it was cool. I, that, I was going to say that had to be kind of a, a different thing going in the pubs and having you on a trumpet while everybody else was playing the Budron and all that. And well, that's the thing. I went to. Um, I went there because their jazz program in Cork okay. was was pretty cool and well known. So I was playing. I was in Ireland playing jazz music in a bunch of little jazz combos. And after class one night with my instructor, his name was Paul. Our assignment was to go to the bar or the pub across the street, and he had a band, and we had to have a new standard learned and go up and play it and improv and. Um, you get drink tickets. Wow. And it was, I'm like, this is the kind of college I'm willing to pay for <laughs> <Nice>. right now. <laughs> so, but then I was also immersed in the trad music, which I was just in Ireland a couple of summers ago playing um, trad and dancing and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, my my experience with playing overseas is is they uh, they do appreciate that, that Im import for from, sure. From us. And, uh, you know, in fact, strangely enough, you know, whether you talk about the Beatles or a lot of the, the British invasion, all of that was based on American blues and the American R&B that was coming up at that time from Memphis and mm -hmm. and uh, from Mississippi. And, and then they kind of rehashed it and then it came back to us and we loved it. And... And then it just kind of took off from from there. So it's, yeah. And especially, I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting, actually, that folks overseas 
um, especially in Great Britain, um, really love country music. And David Hasselhoff. And they love David Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. There you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of people, especially from Great Britain, talk about country music, and I've heard a lot of great about a lot of British country acts, actually. Um, we, we have a, an NPR station here, uh, 90.1, and on Sunday they have a, a country music um, sp- uh, program that's hosted by a gentleman from Great, great Britain. Oh, right on. Yeah. So uh, it's, yeah, they just, they just sop it up. So there, there must be, and I, you know, I think it's just country life too. Yeah, and I was the, gonna say. Yeah, the rural life. Yeah, but they can connect to it mm-hmm. exactly, and I think every place has its own form of country music because mm-hmm. it's folky, and you just yeah. It's There's about, some about, especially if you live, you know, you like the outdoors. Yes. Um, I love the outdoors. I love you know horses, and it does whether it's. You know, you're in Michigan, which, you know, there's they like a different kind of country there. It's when you go watch music, country bands play there. When they do originals, I think every region has a little bit different. You got the red dirt music of Texas and Oklahoma and all that stuff. So I think different regions have their views on what country music yes. is, but that's a great thing about it. You know, you can like Florida Georgia Line, nor you can't like, mm-hmm. you don't like them. I like the older country. I mean, just because that's what I, you know, grew up on. Right. So it's yeah, and we're and we're seeing a lot of new. I guess what would be categorized as country artists, young country artists that are emulating the old country artists like Willie Nelson, like Hank Williams, like uh, you listen to people like Sturgill Simpson. I was yes, just gonna say, exactly. and you know, even out of Texas, you got guys like Kyle Parks, the Randy Rogers Band, Lucas Nelson, Lucas, yeah. uh, Lucas, and um, who's the other? Lucas oh, Shooter, I, yeah, yeah Shooter, Shooter and Lucas get together. That's a cool yeah, little combo yeah. right there. Lucas, I, I tell he you sounds what, like his dad. Lucas does, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He does. He I'm sounds okay. a lot like his dad. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know that it was his dad. Now mm-hmm. I know why it sounds like his dad. <laughs> well, it's like Merle Haggard. You yeah. know, you, I went and seen his boys, uh, Ben and Noel, play. And, you know, when they start talking, it's like, those aren't the only two. Merle's a pretty active guy. Yeah. You know, and uh, Ben's the youngest, which sounds more like Merle Haggard and has Merle's chops. And Noel looks like the outlaw Merle Haggard and acts like the outlaw Merle Haggard. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. got it. He's he's got to kind of watch. You can see Ben kind of turn around every now and then go <laughs> behaved. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful. It really is. You know, seeing these these young artists come up like like yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the neo thing. Is uh, you know the neo soul movement is pretty big right now too. Um, have you heard of Charlie Crockett? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh, I'm so into him. Yeah, have you, Jim? As as a soul artist? Well, Charlie Crockett has he has so many different albums. He has a uh, Hank. You guys yeah. are nodding like you know. Who I I'm know. Talking about. Yeah, I know who. Yeah, I know who he is, Charlie. Well, he, he at first I was like, oh sweet, this is like a, another Duran Jones kind of uh, neo soul, Sam Cooke mm-hmm. genre, and then I heard another album. And it's Hank Williams, legit covers, um, and he's got like 
different albums that are so many different different genres, but wow. the guy is it's so interesting. Versatile. I yeah. will I will check him out. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check him out tonight. Cool. Uh, well, fantastic. I think that uh, I would like to hear you play a song now that we've been talking about music. It's just getting cool. my appetite uh, going. I will play a song. I'm gay. <laughs> cool. uh, this one's called Hollywood. And um, hopefully it's going to be on my next record. you forget the way that it feels to run like the wind through the fields your mama called and said you ain't home cause you're in Hollywood and you left me On my stormy nights, your radio hits on my candle lights. Is one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready for when I go on to Hollywood. Oh, I knew you would, but you know I won't. When did you forget the way that it feels to run like the Said you ain't home Cause you're in Hollywood And you left me alone Do something there Fancy new rings and your nudie suits can have what you are. They can't steal your roots that sparkle and shine. It used to be mine, so are you. But the only thing that ain't on your mind is this country girl who's just wasting her time on Hollywood. Oh, you got me good, and I got a bad.
Darren. That was Thanks. beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, the, w- guys. the reason why I love um, the Helen Coyote tour and its concept is because I love the singer, the songwriter, and the instrument all coming together just like that, <laughs> naked. And I'm not naked. <laughs> we're g- we got clothes on. <laughs> and we, yeah, 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 that was a uh, metaphor. <laughs> and, um, and raw and intimate and vulnerable and all the great things that it takes for me personally to um, respect an artist. Um, Even when Jackson Brown, after all those years, started going acoustic, just him and the guitar. Oh, yeah. I mean, that to me was like, okay, he's he's still got it. You know, he's he's still that guy, you know. That's why I asked her, I was, is this a song you wrote? Because if it was a cover, she sang it like you wrote it. So uh, cool. I was Thanks. getting ready to say here just a bit ago, um, when I first saw you perform, um, and don't ta- if this is bad, don't please don't take it that way, you were bringing a, it felt like there was a new twist on a classic sound. Um, with uh, I can hear the, you know, I can hear the country, I can hear the soul, but I can hear the story, and I think that's when you when you're listening to the story and somebody's singing it, it's it 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 transfers in a different way versus doing a cover just because you're making money playing in a bar, that kind of thing. But you sitting on a stool, if anybody hears this out here, which I know there will be, uh, I would love to see that with just a cone light above you sitting there, you know, maybe a, an old vintage lamp beside you performing that that song. That's yeah. that's a cool way of putting uh, what I love so much about songwriters too. Mm. You know, you when you watch people be vulnerable, and when you are a songwriter watching another songwriter, you know how they're feeling, mm-hmm. and you know what it's like. And um, well, you're watching you. You know, when you got other people, and it's it sounds great. Don't get me wrong; I love full band stuff. But when you got other people around, you're kind of like looking over here, the steel guitar player, or you're. You know, something's going on, but when you are just up there, and it doesn't matter how big the stage is, when you're just up there on a chair with a microphone, no thrills, people are listening to your stories, your songs. That's when you connect with them. I love doing, that's why I love about, uh, doing house concerts. House concerts, there may be 40 or 50 people in there, but you're set up in the corner of these huge homes, and they're just like, yeah. you know, watching, yeah. and you could feel that. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. And you'll see when when Darren plays, and when you'll see when he performs, that um, you can hear a pin drop uh, sometimes. And it's because he does something different, and something that is not hitting you over the head, but rather drawing you in. And that's the quality that it takes to draw someone in, is, is that intimacy. And we want to stop and shut up and listen for a change. Oh, I was I enjoyed it. I was honored to... To hear you play that. That was great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And um, so not only do patrons, some patrons appreciate that in the right venues and and the right conditions, but songwriters, um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if um, 
you know, um, somebody like Willie Nelson is listening to somebody like Bob Dylan, or it doesn't matter whether um, somebody like, uh, you know, Ella Fitzgerald is listening to somebody like Hank Williams. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um, when the story's out there and it's raw and it's intimate and vulnerable and naked, like I was saying. Oh, I could see you in the Ryman by yourself and that just playing on that stage and having a full house and feel like you're all alone. Oh, I mean, it's... I would, oh. I would throw up so much. <laughs> I have a story about throwing <laughs> up. But it's true, like when you're a- alone singing your songs... Um, it doesn't matter how many shows mm-hmm. you've done, but when you've been playing with a full band and then you go, like last night at Lost Leaf, when it's just you, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot how naked I feel right now. Um, but don't you think people But I love, love I love that. when I see that, yeah. that, when other people are doing it, when it's you... I just want to be like, where, where, where are those people? Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> and that's a but, hit and miss deal. I, I know what you're talking about. I've done shows and it's like, I feel like I'm just playing fast just to get done with it because I don't feel like I'm connected. And you're not going to all the time. Yeah. You know, and that's the, that's my biggest grapple, I think, that when I perform because, and I don't want to sound conceit. I, I just feel like, hey, I'm here telling you my life stories where, where you do it with words, I do it with notes yeah and and i like to explain the songs and but when you just sit there and you get done and they don't clap yet that's like yeah, you're way you're like all of a sudden it just it goes you know i love that i feed off that yeah. that's to me it's like once you do that i'm yours all night long i got boy do i got stories to tell you <laughs> yeah, you know when, you, when there's someone there that is looking and asking you questions and wants to know. It's like, yes, and I was just talking about this. Because it's not often where you get to talk about the lyrics um, or the, the, story. the story. And I'm not great at talking about the story, I'm, but I'm good at talking about the lyrics, I guess. But only when somebody cares, and it's just, it's been, it's been kind of rare. Although last night, everybody was silent, and that's when I felt the most vulnerable because they were listening, which is cool. Yeah. But then... I it's like, oh, God, here they are. They're listening to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, okay, don't fuck up. Um, but another gig recently, it was, you know, sometimes you take those gigs and... Um, I keep doing the mic thing. I should know better. <laughs> it's wandering away. <laughs> but you, you take a gig because, you know, well, I'm going to get to practice and it's, it's music for tourists who are... And they're having a great time... And I'm in the background, and they might not know that it's influencing their conversation, and it, but it is. Um, I'm just not going to hear about it. Like, yeah. They don't clap or anything. You're the soundtrack to their moment. Yeah, and I and I I do like that. I love that too. Cool. Looking out, and going. Hmm. I'm gonna play this song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna so, see if I can get a reaction out of these two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've you've been listening to some commentary by there's another gentleman talking to Steph in this room. His his name is. Darren Mahoney. Hi, Darren. Hello. Now you get to see me be nervous. But as soon as I forget about the microphone, I'll be all right. Um, so Darren, Darren is uh, uh, anomaly wrapped in a metaphor, wrapped in a paradox. He is just uh, 
<laughs> he is, he is if you can see Steffi's eyes right now, it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he better really um, deliver on this. <laughs> uh, he is a wonderful human being, great guy to tour with, great guy to hang out with, um, grounded, and he's just a great uh, part of our musical landscape in this world, let alone in uh, the, the Southwest here in Prescott. Um, my experience with Darren is um, hearing him play for the first time and not really knowing him, not really knowing who I've invited into my world. And uh, usually I invite people that are singer-songwriters, and Darren is a songwriter, but not known internationally as a singer. He's known as an uh, instrumentalist. And he is a luthier as well. He builds his own instrument and for others. And um, you don't, in the past, it's been hard to categorize that if it hasn't, if it's not jazz or other forms of instrumental music, classical, so on and so forth. This man writes from his soul. And his music to me is very healing. And so uh, it was, I was just, my jaw, my jaw just was on the floor the first time that I, I heard you play um, because it was something different and refreshing and something that we all need in this crazy world to decompress, to heal, to relax, to reflect. Um, and we are all going to get to hear him play in just a little bit. But with that introduction, hi, Darren. Hey. <laughs> wow. That <laughs> one made me really important, didn't you? Jeez. So Darren is on Heart Dance Records. Um, and uh, Darren, how'd you get on Heart, Heart Dance Records? Well, I had released an album uh, under another label. And after I released that album, I got invited to play uh, guitar for a country singer. And and it was just a good gig. So I kind of I just finished the album, and I just kind of put everything off to back to the side, and went and pursued this for like eight years, and uh, got to do some really good shows, travel around, and uh, you know I think Steph was talking about uh, throwing up. I was mentioning that I could see Steffi on the the grand uh, the the old Ryman Theater, the old Grand Old Opry, and she was mentioning some about throwing up you know, being so nervous. Well, I was that way when we opened for Kenny Chesney, and Keith Urban. I was in the stadium bathroom downstairs when the golf cart came to get us. And I was the only one out sitting in the golf cart because he could hear me in the bathroom just, <laughs> but it was not, I was just nervous. Was, this is what I had dreamt of my whole life, towing the stage, you know, and just, you know, having fun. So I do that. That will happen, but it's a really good memory afterwards, so don't worry about it. But um, I played with her for a while, and then I just uh, I felt like my I felt kind of like I was a jukebox, and you know, doing other people's songs as far as whether they were covers or this artist's original songs. And I think I just kind of got burnt out on it, and so uh, we had did a big benefit up in Greer, Arizona, for the Walla Wildfire that went through there. And we got asked to come up and perform, so we went up there, and as we were on the stage, um, the stage manager came over and says, do you mind if this girl on a flute comes up and plays with you? 
And I was like, sure. Uh, I looked over and, you know, she's standing there and she came up and we figured out we did Stand By Me by Benny King and then Something More by Sugarland. And she was good. I mean, it was just, you just, I never really thought about the flute for that sense. So after we were done, I went over and introduced myself and said, hey, I'm thinking about working on a project and would love to have you come in and play on it. She was working on one. So two weeks later, I get a call. She wanted me to come in and record some acoustic guitar tracks. And it was from that point on, it was just, uh, we just kind of realized this is something special. Had you found your, your your the style that I speak of at that point? You know, no, I found my style that that acoustic instrumental is when I was uh, I had stage four liver cancer in '96, and they'd give me like three months to live. I'm in the hospital, set it up. You know, they were just keeping me comfortable, and my dad brought in these CDs that he had. Some guy gave him, and they were. Uh, Craig Chikiso used to play with Starship. Um, he has his own solo stuff, but there was also stuff from uh, Wyndham Hill, Will Ackerman, who was the owner of Wyndham Hill. And there was this song, even though I couldn't speak, I had a ventilator, but there was this one song that just, I don't know what it did. There was no words. It was just this guitar. And when I came kind of out of the, you know, they had me in a coma for a while. And when I came out, that's the song they kept playing for me. And when I came out of it, I wrote on the chalkboard. I was like, play the CD. That's all I could put, put on there. And they played it, and I said, change it. And they'd hit the button, hit the button, and then I was like, leave it here. Well, it turned out to be the song Impending Death of the Virgin Spirit. And that song just moved me. Um, I knew from that point on, I really felt like things were happening inside me because this music just did something for me. So that's how I got introduced to it, and then it turned out with Sherry, she was tired of she was doing shows with Clay Aikens and all that stuff, you know, playing the symphonies, and she was ready to break away. So we decided to write an album together, Transformation, and uh, we had a song in there called The Door, which metaphorically everybody knows when one door closes, when another one opens, and that's kind of what it was for us. And we ended up winning uh, the World Music Awards uh, Album of the Year for New Age, and then the next album we did with Will Clipman, who plays a lot with uh, uh, Carlos Nakai, uh, uh, Indian flute player. And um, so Will Clipman came on board, and then we did another album called uh, Trilog. And that one we won for the, the radio music, the ZMRs. We won um, Best Acoustic Instrumental Album. So that's what kind of started. And Sherry had started her record label, Heart Dance Records, and I was the first artist signed to it. Yeah. yeah, and there it is. That's it. Yeah, um, the rest is and if you so blurry. Um, there's I don't know if if our listeners go back that far, but Wyndham Hill uh, was a label in the '80s and had a lot of um, acoustic instrumentalists um, that uh, both pianists and guitar players, and it was labeled at that time as New Age music. Um, and so I think that that is a outdated <laughs> categorization. Sedona and the Red Rocks right. and the Vortex kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> if you listen to it, basically it's an incredible instrument, you know, incredibly crafted, incredibly tuned, incredibly played, um, and incredibly recorded that you get to hear acoustically and instrumentally without any other bells and whistles around it and just again just you get to get into a spot where you're where you can reflect 
and heal right and and breathe you know and before that i you know i would, i grew up listening to bluegrass so I was going to all the festivals and learning the flat picking and doing all that stuff. And I think what turned me on is uh, Steffi was saying about, you know, uh, her dad and listening to Michael Jackson. Mine, of all people, you know, if you knew me from my metal long hair days, but when I tell people, my biggest influence was John Denver. I grew up watching, you know, him play the acoustic guitar. I went and saw him and he was in the round by himself, captivating this whole stadium just with his songs. And I, right. I wish I could write lyrics. I can write music, but I can't write lyrics. Right. Turns into the corniest high school, do you love me, check yes, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, it, it's the music has taken me a lot of different places. I need it. I need music. Yeah. It's a drug for no, me. No, no, no. Music saved my life. I don't know. And it sounds like it saved yours. Um, and it sounds like uh, with many of the folks that I've interviewed um, over the last year, many of the folks I've showcased, I know for a fact that if it wasn't for music, uh, who knows where they'd be. Well, you know, with that lead-in, I think it's important that people hear you now. Okay. So let's go ahead and get you up, and uh, let's hear a song. Okay.
All right. So, Steffi, what'd you think? I won't be able to f formulate words for a few days. Um, <laughs> I I got to sit a foot away from him and stare <laughs> at your fingers. Every note was like intentional. Yeah. I, I love that. That's that's really good. I like that. Yeah. That's exactly correct. Yeah. That's it. That's what makes. Darren's music, what it is. And that song, um, when I was told I was, uh, I went through all this treatment, I went through these experimental treatments I signed up for. And uh, when I went in the hospital, I was, you know, 185, 190. And when I came out three months later, I weighed 78 pounds. Oh my God. So I was just like, I looked like a Holocaust victim, hip bones and everything, couldn't walk. So I had to learn how to how do tall all are you? that. Huh? How tall are you? 6'2. So I was just skin and bone. Yeah. Um, so after all of this, I went in and they, you know, they kept all through this whole time saying they're shooting for a cure. They're shooting for a cure. And when I went to the oncologist for the lack, because I'm only, you're only allowed five rounds of this anymore, I would die from it. It's called bleomycin, I think it is. But uh, after the fifth round, I went in to have my blood work checked out and they came to me and said, uh, we can safely say that you're in remission. And everybody's like, and I wasn't, I started tearing up because I, I didn't hear the word, I was cured. So when I got home, my dad had to, you know, my dad had to drive me around. My dad drove me home and uh, he's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, well, I didn't hear the word cured. To me, remission just meant maybe three months break. later, I'm back in. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad, you know, and the doctor had told him, he says, you know, what do you, you don't be upset, man. Go live your life. Go do what you've always wanted to do. And my dad got my guitar out, and I sat down, and that was the first song that came to me in like 30 minutes I had wrote that song. And it was called Confused because I was confused. After I finished the song, I can't describe how I felt that I had a new lease. No more of the old stuff. I could start all up born again, kind of, you know, if you want to yeah. say. Um, and had to learn to walk and talk, do all that stuff. And, uh, and from that point on, I've done nothing but eat, sleep, and play music. And build instruments. And, but it's something to do with music. And horses. <laughs> if people want to music hear you sounds. or want to buy one of your instruments, where do they go? Uh, you go to MahoneyGuitars.com. Um, uh, I'm just kind of more doing repairs right now. I just don't have a lot of time, especially in the wintertime, to build. Uh, I still need to fin up, finish up this mandolin. But um, I've been kind of more concentrating on the horses and just the music when I have the opportunity to play. Kind of had to pull. I play with Dennis. I play with Lisa. I still do that. Becky Dalkey sometimes. Um, I've always been a supporting artist or a guitarist, I should say, for other people. And I like that because, you know, you t I'm hiding behind my guitar. I don't have to sing. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I can just play. I let my playing. I want my playing to them to focus on the plane. Don't look me in the eye. Because when I see the eyeballs in my eyeballs, it's like, so my eyes close. And then I just draw up the vision of the song. The, the, what I, it's a movie in my head as I'm playing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to. Uh, no, this is going to be a good show. I think that her, I try to create a dynamic. Uh, the thing about these singer-songwriter showcases, I think ideally it would be great if, if I did it in the round, 
Yeah. You know, if we all had a seat and we all had mics and we mm-hmm. all just kind of like wrote just dis- yeah. you know changed yeah. off changed off songs. Right. Um but at the same time um as a as a performer you like to get into your set a little bit too, mm-hmm. you know. But we always do that. So the the two half hour sets that we have they work well. They do. Yeah, cuz you cool. can get into your own your own vibes because sometimes it takes a few songs to get in mm-hmm. there and kind of dig in and find your your voice which is what our next topic of discussion is going to be <laughs> oh, with Steffi um, but that was my first dumb I think in the entire podcast you did really I, well thank Don't you very much yeah, trying try not to um anymore ladies and gentlemen you substitute it for K <laughs> K <laughs> I don't know K <laughs> what do you think I don't know yeah. <laughs> or there's the uh yeah I will say going on we had a really good time on tour it was a, a lot of laughs a lot of experiences yeah yeah we when had, was that the way I toured with uh, me and Sherry the flute player toured with the cross-eyed possums so oh talk God. about an eclectic. Wow. Um, and, you know, what was cool is they, they brought us in on their set. We brought them in on ours, and it was, uh, I loved it. We would sit in the house that, you know, you would rent, you know, uh, the B- Airbnbs, and it was so cool to see everybody and their musical taste come down to this level. Everybody had their admirations for each other, and it was it was fine. And when we played, it was just, you know, finding that, what do they say? Silence is golden sometimes. You don't have to play through the whole thing, but people seem to knew, know where to apply their their recipe, their spice yeah, to the song. like to fit in. Mm-hmm. I love playing with the new people because you just, you find your piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. how you fit in. You how can I compliment you? Language. Yeah, exactly. You know, when it's you, how do I compliment you? Versus, you know, how do you compliment the, the how do you compliment the song? What so do you hear? I think what you'll find when we play that you you'll do your little half your your little our little half hour sets and then you get to sit down and watch someone else do theirs and then it rotates all over again. So we each do a half hour. Oh cool. Okay. And that's, that's the, the, the first half hour of the show. And then we each do another half hour after that. So it's a three hour seamless show. I like that. I like, I that. like that. It's and really so cool. We're always you watching get to go out. each other. Yeah. You can talk, you can mingle with the people that did come to see you, but at the same time as you're seeing the other artists perform. And, and then you get to go back inspired by you know? by them. Yeah. And that affects your performance. Yeah, I'll totally. begin being nervous like following her. I'm gonna I like I told you, I'll do I'll do my Put you to sleep music in the front part, and then I'll sing. I'll go ahead and sing something in the last the last half hour. All right. So, as I was saying, it takes a singer songwriter a while to find their voice. Whether it is you fronting a band, like you were saying back in the day in Cleveland, um, and trying to be that voice, that person, that performer, or intimate and and um naked before the audience with just you and your instrument and that voice and they're two different yes voices they used to say about paul mccartney that he had like five different mm-hmm. vocal styles that he could come in in and out of um 
And so that's a, that's a skill and a talent that vocalists learn is what voice is appropriate for what project or what venue or what crowd. Mm -hmm. um, just like what songs are appropriate, with right. what venue, what crowd, what, what situation. So in your musical journey, as we speak, mm. you are still on your <laughs> musical journey, um, your yellow brick road. Um, how do you feel, uh, or do you feel like you found your voice yet, or you still like you're, you're still searching for your voice, or? Oh, I don't know if I have ever found my voice, and I don't know if I'm ever going to, or and if I don't know, I don't know if that's the goal. Um, for me, music is. Uh, I, I've never had a, a way to get out those feelings inside that, uh, I don't know, my little dark corner that I've lived in most of my life. I was like, oh, cool. When I started singing and writing songs, I could get out of that dark corner for a little while because I was writing about it. Um, so I don't know if that made any sense. Do you uh, remember the moment when you sat there and maybe performed your first song and that you were like, Wait a minute, I kind of like this response I got because I'm I'm very much as much as you see here. I am an introvert. I if I go somewhere new, I'm kind of the person off in the back, and I'm yeah. you know I don't want to talk. You know I I just don't know what to say to anybody when you're around you know talented people. You're like oh yeah, well I done this, I did this, or you know I was like I don't know what to say. But well, now that you're plan. an intellectual, Darren, oh. yeah. <laughs> please. I'm sure there was a time. Was there a pivotal <laughs> moment that you? We're performing and went, and I understand the voice thing. I think it's just who you are, and it grows. It's like a seed you planted when you were younger, and I think it grows. But uh, my opinion, don't change. It sounds great. So, thank you. Uh, it's definitely changed a lot, though, um, and I hope it it does. It keeps. I hope it keeps changing. Um, when I first started singing, I I sung harmonies first um backing harmonies in an, an indie folk band called expecting rain out of cleveland i loved singing in that group um the writers in that band were amazing and i looked up to them so much my voice also i had to be pretty soft and in the background <clears throat> with my mic pretty low yeah which i didn't mind i i liked that too so when i started writing my own my own songs and playing at like little coffee shops by myself um yeah there is that moment where my voice is coming through the mic and it's the only one and i'm singing the melody and <clears throat> people are watching me stop watching me but watch me you know yeah it's like i i, I write songs and i want to perform them for people there's like a drive you want it to get out I don't know. There's something quantum about it, but mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't become a song until it's heard. Um, like I just finished it. Well, I don't even know if it's finished, right? I just think I wrote a song and finished it uh, today, and but it's not an actual song until somebody listens to it, and they don't have to say this is a song, but it's like you've shared that moment, and then it becomes a song. There you are. Um, but as far as Finding my voice, I think that songwriting has helped me um, 
release it, I suppose, even though my voice keeps changing. Mm -hmm. When I say finding your voice, it's also, for a singer-songwriter or just a songwriter, the voice is the style that you're that you're coming from so you're as you're carving away at this piece of wood you're finding out who you are where you're coming from mm -hmm. what your style is what you know how right. what makes you you and so that's the voice it's not necessarily literally the voice right. but it's your place in music you know it's and, your character in music history yeah it's a character uh, I hate to say it. I mean, if you're the same person you are off the stage as you are on the stage, it's it's you. It's your character. That's who you are. Um, I uh, I've never tried to outdo you know, like go up there and pretend I'm somebody I'm not. I would, if especially if I'm I'm singing, I'm the same person on that stage as I'm off the stage. I'm the same person singing at your campfire as I am on there. I have a problem with my voice because I remember hearing your voices on like a your answering machine. It's like, oh god, I, I, no, no, no. I think I, I, I just couldn't do it. And now that I do do it, people come on and say, oh, it's great. And I'm like, huh? Do you really know what good singing is? I'm like, I'm listening to guys like Vince Gill and you know these other artists, and I'm like, that's good singing. And Vince I, is playing with the Eagles now. Yes, huh? he yeah. is. Yeah. He's doing that. Um, yeah, uh, for me, when you talked about writing, there's different stages of the of the process. So first is writing the song, and then when it's a really really good one, it just kind of pops right out, right? Oh yes. And when it's one that you have an idea for and you want really bad, but it's just not coming as easily as some of the other ones you just keep kind of grinding away on that one. Those turn out to be great songs, too. They just take a longer time to find. Have you ever wrote, ever wrote like, two different songs and then mended them together? Um, I mean, like, you thought maybe this would, you know, if I just rearranged it, this would be part of this song. Yes, right? I yeah. have done that. Yeah. 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 The, the end by uh, by the Beatles. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's... that's yeah, uh, you just kind of like, oh, wait a minute, I, I got yeah, two songs here, but, golden man, if I just do this chord, that, yeah. I transition, and it's... Perfect for this spot, right. you know. Yeah. Or Billy Joel's, um, you know, uh, scenes from an, an Italian restaurant. Those mm -hmm. were actually like, I think, two or three different songs. Yeah, that he, he put together. Yeah, I, I, uh, I love doing that. <laughs> so that's that's one part of the process is just the the writing part, and for it to be born, your child to be born, and um, then there's the recording of it. And that's a different part of the process. Some people find that to be a very painful part of the process. Some people really love that part of the process. Mm -hmm. I happen to love that part of the process. I don't like the engineering. I don't know a, a musician that does like that part of the process, but yeah, you have I, to be I, very I kinda dig the, with that listening part of the to process. the mixes. And, yeah. you know, all you got to do is he just has to sit there with a button, and if he sees my face go like this, he just hits it. Says, we'll redo that. Um, and then... There's performing it live. Yes. After it's been written and recorded, now it's being released to the world. And then when it starts, when you start getting out there live, then it takes on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. and, and then it truly becomes, it, your child starts to grow and become its own entity. And it, and it kind of 
what it becomes playing live is really the fruition yep. of, of the song. Every now and then I'll get an email from somebody on the other side of the world telling me how this song, they heard it on, you know, wherever, and how it spoke to them, and then they tell me their story. To me, that's, that's why I do what I do, because that's what the music did for me. It really changed me. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't. I mean, whether it was a spiritual moment or something, but to 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 be able to for someone to communicate to me through their composition, just the music, you know, no words, no story to it. I had my own vision of what this song was for me, and then when you end up meeting the artist and you find out, you know, sometimes you're shocked. Right. Impending death was uh, Will Ackerman such a beautiful song for me, The Impending Death of the Virgin Spirit, but I didn't know until I ended up meeting him and he produced a couple songs that he wrote that song about coming home and finding his mom hanging in the closet. Oh, God, Good dear Lord. Lord. Yeah. But what that song meant to me was totally different. It's It saved you. It saved me, but it was yeah. such a bad thing for him. And that's, you know, sometimes I don't like meeting my, my idols and the people that yeah. I, I have influenced me. Cause I don't, wanna, you know, <laughs> I've, yeah. I don't want to know yeah. who they really are. Um, and I, and sometimes I don't even want to know what the song is really about because it might it means what it does to you to me, yeah. you know, and that's what I carry inside me. Okay, well, we're getting short on time. There's my one last question that I always ask, and then I'm going to have you guys play one more song each. Um, this is a podcast. This is the age of streaming music and streaming devices, and that's how we ingest music these days. There was a day when there were things called radio stations, and there, there still are radio stations out there. Was there a radio station that you listened to when you were growing up or at some time in Cleveland? I know Cleveland is like, that's where the, uh, the rock and roll uh, hall of fame. Yeah. rock and roll hall of fame is, right? Um, is there a station that you remember and, uh, or a DJ that you remember? I remember, this is way back when I was a, a wee little lass. Oh. It was... Uh, <laughs> I like the Irish. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, I listened to a station in Worcester, Ohio called 105.7 FM. And it was just straight up oldies, really old. As oldies as it got back then. So... It was 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and mm. I was into it. Um, it was comforting. It was, yeah, cool. Yeah. How about you, Darren? Oh, uh, you know, Grand Ole Opry. You know, used to do their dead on Sundays. But I think the, my earliest recollection of listening to the radio was in Michigan, and it was, um, oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? That song and Charlie Rich's Behind Closed Doors. Wow. And it was, I don't remember the radio station, but I, that was pivotal to me. Like, I kind of like this music stuff, you know, and watching a neighbor play. Yeah. I met as an early kid, I was like I, I five years old, and I've still got one in my hands <laughs> with, with the tennis racket. Yep. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I used to listen to a lot of AM radio yeah. when I was growing up and uh, all the great stuff that was coming out, the Jackson 5 and um, just oddities like 10CC and oh my um, gosh. and uh, Andrew Gold and um, all of these great 70s singer-songwriters, Cat Stevens, Cat Stevens stuff Stewart. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, I, that I started singing because I would hear them. 
and my you know I was playing my tennis racket, and then of course the handle was the yeah. was the mic. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that's how I got into music, and it definitely saved my life. I I um, it took me to a very special place that still lies in my heart and still is alive today. Well, it's cool to watch you perform as well. So you're just as good a songwriter and. Those that I know. Well, you won't find out if you don't come down That's to Mark's right. Beer Garden Friday the 20th <laughs> of March and see Steffi Griffin and Mr. Darren Mahoney and myself, Mr. Jim Sobo. I'll be MC and performing as well. So we're going to hear one more song from each of these fine performers. And then uh, we're going to maybe get some uh, where you can hear them information or buy some of their material information. And then we will sign off. just in a day that I was going to give my dog her medicine and I couldn't remember if I already gave it to her like 10 minutes ago or if the memory I had was just because I did it yesterday um, at the same exact time and about how when you're in that routine you don't know if it's deja vu if, if, if you're remembering yesterday or or what. So, and then I, I kind of got a little sad about it, <laughs> and I wrote this. Scrolling through all my Insta pics But every time I'm always instantly sick Because she's better looking and she got my man Oh wait a sec, this is in 2010 Why do these days drag on? Well, the years fly by Well, it's a bitch and then you die is that true or just a lie? And I'm not sure about it. I always doubt it. When will you get it? And I'm not sure I want it. Go on and take it. Go on and take it. Comparison is a thief of joy Don't get excited, all the checks are void But I'll be a Bonnie if you be my Clyde Maybe then we'll break through the other side Or are we 
This is another song I wish I wrote. This old highway's getting longer There seems to be no wind sign Sleep would be best I just can't afford to rest Gotta ride in Denver tomorrow night Call her house but no one answers The last two there ain't been no one at home I guess through with me Tell the truth I just can't see What's kept the woman holding on this long And the white line's getting longer And the saddle's getting cold How much do you feel in this day Competition's getting younger A tougher Bronx You know I can recall I want out tape of Chris do Lonely women and bad food Seem to be the only friend I've left it all And the white line's getting longer And the saddle's getting cold I'm Table with 
no waste left in the hole. How much do you feel this damn old? Lord, I'm much too young to feel in this damn old. All right. Well, folks, this has been another episode of the Howling Coyote Radio Hour with Miss Steffi Griffin and Mr. Darren Mahoney. Yes, Darren does have a voice and he does sing from time to time. Time to time. And uh, Steffi, where can we hear your music or buy your music? You can hear it and buy it. Um, I got a website, SteffiLeeGriffin.com. And um, it's available there. And you can also listen to it on any streaming services like Spotify, Google Play. Um, and yeah, I got a new English EP. accent there. Really. I, you know, when I am uncomfortable, I just go into accents. <laughs> I do it for my That's students the all the time character. to get them to listen. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I got a new EP out. It's called Happy Birthday, You Fool. And um, you can find it all over. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and Darren? Uh, DarrenMahoney.net. You can uh, also just kind of read the stories or purchase some music from there. HeartDanceRecords.com, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and uh, a lot of your major uh, international airlines. If you're flying, you can plug in my music. Uh, Spotify, you know, all that stuff. So <laughs> I'm out there, but you just got to look, beautiful, beautiful. look for me. And if you want to see any of it live... You come down for you Prescottonians or anyone that might be listening to this podcast out there in podcast land to Mark's Beer Garden on Friday, March 20th from 6 to 9 p.m. on a Friday. You get off work. You come on down. Enjoy some happy hour. Mark's is a wonderful German beer garden. And Mark is actually there. He's the owner operator and he works it. Um, so it's pretty old school. It's, it's a great, great venue. Um, one of these days, very, real soon, we're going to get to start playing outside there, which will be great. He's got an outside deck, and there's some great pulled pork. He smokes meats and um, just a bunch of fun stuff. And here are these two wonderful performers play live. And myself. Yeah, if you haven't heard Steffi Griffin, man, just by what we heard today. You're in for a treat. Yeah, oh, it sounds wow. like it sounds like Likewise, Darren might Darren. be coming up and playing a little bit with you. Yes, I, don't know, I want to talk to you yeah, about that yeah. after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm Jim Sobo, and thank you so much for listening, thank folks. You, uh, thank you. You can go to HowlingCoyoteTour.com and check out the summer tour that's upcoming. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you at the show. Adios. <laughs>